Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. The Bible declares that when David, when, when the Ark of the Covenant was returned to the city of David, that how David danced before the Lord. And he danced in such a way that the Bible says his clothes, he danced out of his clothes. And I wonder if David only saved that kind of praise for just that moment. I mean, I know it's just that time that it was recorded. But I mean, there's times in your life, like you take pictures and there's times that things happen that you go, man, I wish I would have took a picture of that. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. So I begin to wonder is the pictures that have been taken for us in the Bible and they're showing us moments that I can't just sit down in my mind and think that it was only that one time it happened. Because generally, the character of people in the Bible is portrayed sometime in one instance. So you see a person do one thing one time, it, it, it pretty much might be in their character, if you understand what I'm saying. So I wonder, I begin to think that, that did David praise God like that just that one time? Or every time David was having a praise party, it was a praise party. It was a turn up. He got lit when he praised God. Okay, Pastor, why are you saying all that? I'm saying all that because I said, give God some praise. And we said, and then I go, well, give him a New Year's praise. Like that's any different kind of praise. <laughs> Just trying to teach you guys something here. You know, all of all, every time we praise God, it should be an undignified praise. It should be a praise that I'm not ashamed of doing. I, I, I recall back when I was uh, bivocational, when I was working um, at the veterans uh, clinic in Martinez and when I was pastoring at the same time and, and I, I, it was a day that I was like God I don't want to be working no more I want to do pastoring full time but God didn't really speak to me I didn't hear his voice but one day this man came in that had uh, severe dementia he was in a wheelchair he didn't speak he didn't talk but they wanted me to get a chest x-ray of him so they brought him into my room and as I brought him into my room, he came in, and as I brought him in, I was wheeling his wheelchair, and the corner of the x-ray table was right there. And as I went by, I slammed my knee on it. Now, I'm super saved, okay? I didn't do a lot like a lot of you guys would do. So out of my mouth did not come cursings. I'm being honest. I hit my knee, and I go, praise God. But then, how many know that the Bible says God inhabits the praises of Israel? He inhabits the praises of his people. And I sat and I rubbed my knee and I go, praise God. And this man in the wheelchair said, praise God. I said, well, praise God. He goes, praise God. Well, hallelujah. He goes, hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, as I'm wheeling him over... I wheel him over to the x-ray thing, and all of a sudden, he just begins. Now, mind you, he's severe dementia. They said he didn't talk. And he began to sing praises to God. And then, watch this. He said, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And he had a cane, and he's tapping it, and he's making a beat, you know, like some of you guys do on tables at lunchtime. But he was literally, ding, bong. yes, Jesus loves And I felt the presence of God enter the room. Watch this. We just had a praise time. I'm, I'm working at the same time. God's in the room, setting up for anointing. I took the x-ray, and as I'm bringing him out, 
I bring him out to his caretaker, and I said, me, I can't remember his name. Me and Mr. So-and-so, we had a great time in there. We were praising God together. She looked at me like, yeah, whatever. I said, he was singing. She goes, no, he wasn't. He doesn't speak. Hallelujah. I looked at her, and I said, it's probably because you ain't been praising God around it. <laughs> See, you know what? Sometimes we can look at things that we may think is dead, but it just takes an undignified praise to bring something back to life. I'm not even preaching yet. You guys, I'm just speaking from my heart because I wanted something my way. I had a vision for myself. I had this, this dream for myself, but God had other plans. God said, yes, I have you pastoring a church, but right now I need you to be the pastor of your workplace. That's for somebody in here. That's what somebody in here needs to understand that, that you are on a divine appointment at your job to be that, to sit there and show the glorious works of God, that you will be a light in a dark world. Because immediately after that, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just full of the Holy Ghost now. I'm just like, man, look, I'm going to go lay hands on somebody. And then they bring this guy, and I'll never forget his name, and his name was Abraham. He's a Hispanic gentleman, and he was... Uh, Late 70s, he was catatonic. If you guys don't know what that means, he just eyes are open but unresponsive. He was stuck in fetal position. He had boils and scars and scabs all over his face. He had hepatitis and HIV. He was on his way out. And I'm trying to figure out for the life of me, why do they want an x-ray on this guy? He's going to die. But God. They bring him into my room, and the nurse that brings him in happens to be a sister in the Lord. So as we bring him in, she's like, it's a shame. He has no family. He's been here by himself, and nobody to take care of him or even love on him. And he's, we're waiting for him to die any day. And I looked at her, and I said, does he know the Lord? She goes, I don't know. And I don't know what it was in me. I said, well, let's ask him. This dude, totally catatonic. No life in his eyes, but he's breathing. I looked down. I said, Abraham, you are about to slip into eternity. You need to know that there is a man named Jesus that came and died for your sins, and he died that where he lives, you can be also. Do you want to know about this Jesus? Immediately color rushed into his eyes and he looked up at me and said yes the nurse who is a sister in the lord freaks out she starts screaming and runs out the room But I began to tell him about who Jesus is and what Jesus came for and why he died on the cross. And, and as I explained the gospel to him, he began to weep. And as I prayed for him and he repeated the prayer, as, and as soon as we said amen, he looked at me with tears in his eyes and slipped back into a catatonic state. I never got an x-ray of him. But I let him go out the room and I called him to come pick him up. The lady's out in the hallway going hysterical. She, she still can't believe what she saw, and as she moved out, they moved out the room. I couldn't help but close the door and begin to cry and praise God. As I began to think, this is for some of you parents out there. This is for some of you out there that you don't know where your prayers are going to end up. 
As I began to praise God, I began to see the toiling of his mother and his sisters who knew the Lord. And they were praying for him, that he was that black sheep in the family. And they had prayed, God, I just want my brother and my son, I want my uncle to know you. Please send a laborer across his path that he may be in heaven just like I am. And God is faithful. I'm not moved by what I see. I walk by faith. I'm not going to stop praying for my loved one because the same way God sent me across Abraham's path is the same way that God is going to send somebody across your loved one's path. You just stay faithful. You just stay on your knees. You keep praying. You keep fasting. God is faithful. Unto a thousand generations. Praise God. <laughs> Uh, the day that I got saved, somebody prophesied to me, my grandmother was buried in the ground. And he told me some things that I'd never told anybody. He looked at me, he says, your grandmother was praying for you before she even knew you. The Lord told me to tell you that her prayers are being answered. And I looked at him, he says, do you want to give your life to Christ? I was like, nope. I ain't ready. He said, okay, that's fine. He said, but when you're ready, I'm right here. And I'm right here now. I believe what the Lord wants to tell you this morning is keep praying. Don't give up. Don't stop. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Sometimes it will get worse before it gets better. Come on, somebody. You know, the worse the problem gets, the greater the miracle is. Come on. I'm just trying to tell you, you know, there was a blind man that got sight. They talked about him. But the greatest news was when Lazarus was raised from the dead. And just a few people knew about that. But the greatest miracle you ever want to see was when there was a man named Jesus Christ who was crucified and three days later rose from the dead. This news is good news. I believe they call that the gospel. <laughs> wow, where is this coming from? <laughs> Praise God. I've been fasting, you guys. You guys, <laughs> I've been fasting. We've been praying together corporately as a church, and we've been trying to figure out what God is speaking to us. We have been fasting and praying for direction and clarity. And, and you know, typically during this time of year, um, the, the, usually the first Sunday, a pastor will get up in churches and they, they cast the vision. It's the vision for the church. Hallelujah. But there's one thing I learned over in the last six years. Uh, I learned just as being a pastor in during fasting, God began to reveal something to me about his character. And he showed me the consistency that he has. He's a consistent God. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So because he's consistent, he's not the kind of wishy-washy kind of God that we are wishy-washy. It's funny how we try to bring God down to our level. But his thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. As far as the east is from the west, God is not like us. And, and, and as I began to study, I started start seeing things like in, in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie he, he, or the son of man that he should repent. It says, if he has spoken it, it will, he will not fail to act. He has ever promised, has he ever promised you and not went through with it? Whatever God says will be so. 
And I'm like, okay, God, so if you said it, you're going to do it. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James chapter 1, 17 says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God never changes. So we know he never changes. He doesn't lie. And what he says is so. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 40 and 8 says this. The grass may wither away. The flowers will fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. His word will stand forever. So what he says is going to happen. God, it's impossible for God to lie. Because he's God. If he says that purple is blue, then purple becomes blue. That's how he does. What he speaks is truth. So I concluded from all these scriptures that God gave the Building Christian Fellowship a vision for us to follow. And he didn't and he won't change his mind about what he spoke to us. You with me on that? The only time there's going to be a change in the vision at this church is when the vision that we were following wasn't God's vision. I know when we were in the army, you know, we, we, used to, you know, we talk about shoot, move, and communicate. So sometimes you shoot, fire, they say fire for effect. And sometimes people cast visions, and then the effect isn't what you want. So what you do is readjust your fire. And see, sometimes people cast visions, even personally, and we're not getting any effect or effect in what we're, our vision is. So sometimes we need to draw back, redirect, and fire for effect again. See, the problem is when there's your vision and God's vision, that's two visions or die vision. That's why they call it dice because there's two of them. The word die means two. Division means there's two visions. And when there's two visions, you following after your own fleshly vision will separate you from God's will. <laughs> you know, the funny part about it, Psalms 37 and 4 says this. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The problem is we don't see the first part of that scripture. We just like the part where God will give us the desires of our heart. It says delight yourself in the Lord. Not at the thought of the Lord, but in the Lord. Which means when you are in Christ, the Bible says if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you can ask of the Father and it shall be given unto you. But the problem is we're not allowing him to abide in us. When the word who is Jesus abides in us, then our desires become God's desires and God will give us the desires of our heart because it lines up with his will. There is nothing more frustrating than having a vision, setting up plans to get to that dream, to make it come to fruition, and it doesn't work. Frustrating. It's like I planned it out. I, I had the dream. I made the steps. But for some reason, it's not working. Well, maybe because it's your plan and not God's plan. Woo. So many of us are following after our own plans. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.21, it says this, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. Basically, whatever the Lord says, whatever the Lord speaks, that's what's going to stand. But your counsel, well, are your, your plans, 
They come and they go. Come on. How many people have made plans to do something and never stuck with them? Some of you right now have made plans to start going to the gym. Here it is. The what? Seventh? Today's the seventh. Ain't been to the gym yet. The vision of our church lines up with Jesus' final prayer. Before he left this earth. Now, I want, I want to say something to you. You know what? If you're on your dying bed, you're on your deathbed, you know you're about to leave earth. You got one prayer to pray. You're going to pray what's most dear to your heart. Your dying words are going to be straight up. It's going to be something that's very important to you. Amen? If I looked at you right now and said, you got five minutes to live, start praying. You watch the shows. You watch them shows when guys about to shoot somebody, you better say your prayers. And you know, a lot of times people that don't even know God, they start getting, they start getting deep. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. Oh, God, please don't let me die. But somebody that knows the Lord, that knows they're going to be with the Lord, is like, I'm just going to get one more request out real quick. And this is what Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. John 17, 21. He says, I pray that they will be all one, just as you and I are one, as you, and I, as you are in me and the Father and I are in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. This is the way we wrap this scripture up. Real, relevant relationships. God says the same way. Jesus said the same way that the Father and I are one, I want them to be one also with themselves, but not just with themselves, to be one with us. So he's saying, I want them to have real relevant relationships. Here at the building, we focus on having real relevant relationships. First, with Christ. Second, with each other. Third, with the community. But guess what? This vision isn't going to happen by accident. Let me, let me tell you guys something, because the problem that we all have is we sit down before the Lord and we say, God, this is a dream. God, pray, God, anoint me right now. Lord, I want to be rich. Lord, I want to lay hands on the sick and let them recover. Lord, I want to be a great preacher. Lord, I want to be this and I want to be that. And you ask the pastor to pray for you, and then you walk away believing that God is going to do it for you. No. God is with you. So I, can I show you guys something just real quick? JR, come up here real quick. Let me show you. This is the attitude that we have with God. JR represents God. He's a big God. God, I just need help with this table. God, help me move this table. Okay, stop. Put it back down. Did he just help me move the table? He did it for me. See, God says, I want to help you. God says, I want to partner with you. I want to be on your side. But he says, if you're going to help, you got to be like this. Uh, I can't lift it. Lord, please help me lift this table. And he'll help you. He is our very, he's a, what they say, a help, a present help in a time of trouble. I almost, almost got deep right there. Thank you. I almost, he's a, in a time of trouble. Don't, don't, don't make me go back there, please, because I, T-Ray, you have to get up here and we'll, we'll, we'll have church today. Hallelujah. Now, listen, if we're going to make this vision come to pass, 
if you're going to make the vision for your life come to pass, we're going to have to be intentional, intentional about the work that God has for us. Somebody say intentional. Say it like you mean to say intentional. Okay, listen, now I know the old saying is this and it's true, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's good intentions. You know, like people say, well, I was going to give my life to Christ. I was going to serve at church. I was planning to. I just never got around to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to fly. We're not talking about having good intentions. We're talking about being intentional. Intentional means doing it on purpose, deliberately and making something happen. Doing something on purpose. For instance, if somebody said something to you nasty, you go, you said that on purpose. Your intent was to hurt my feelings. And even if they say sorry, you don't want to forgive them because you know they did it on purpose. Because they had malice and forethought. They planned it out. Even if it was a split second, they planned it out to hurt you. The same way we do things like that to hurt people, well, the same way other people. Nobody here would ever say anything to hurt anybody, right? Everybody here is saved. So the same way people do that is the same way we have to have the same intent, the same forethought to get things done. We can't sit around and wait for stuff to happen. Do you guys know that people don't become successful by accident? Huh? Now, let me just talk to you on a, on a practical way. If you own a business, you can't hope your business is going to be successful. Hope by itself ain't helping nobody. But you have to see yourself being successful and come up with a plan to make sure you reach success. Sometimes you got to get help from other people because you've never been there. You've never done that. And sometimes you need to look at other successful people and maybe get some clues from them on how to be successful yourself. Intentuality breeds success. If you're intentional about the dreams and the plans that you have for yourself or God has for you in your life, you will be successful. But you have to be intentional. Now, I said earlier, I didn't say it, but this is the saying. Spirituality without practicality is no good. We have to get spiritual, spiritual for sure. But there's a practical part of that. I told you guys before, you, you can sit down here and wish all you want, and I can slap oil on you and pray, and we can go over scriptures, and you can quote scriptures left and right. But until you do something about it, it will never happen. You can wish your house is clean all day. But until you get up and take out the garbage and start vacuuming and doing stuff, it'll never get done. See, and some of the problems is, this is the Lord speaking, sometimes the plans that we have seem way too big for us to get done. Because the Bible says you are in need of patience. That after a while, after you've waited, after you struggled, after you worked, you might receive the promise, but we want it now. See, some of us left our houses dirty for so long, it took three months to get your house that dirty. You ain't going to clean it in 30 minutes. The house I'm talking about is your body. 
Y'all thought I was talking about the one you live in. I'm talking about your life. It's been 30 years of your life. You've been living for the enemy. You've been living for yourself. And the day that you say, I want to be saved, is the day that you start to clean up this house. You can't say, Lord, just do it, Lord. Do it. God says, no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you grace. I'm Emmanuel, God with you. Emmanuel doesn't mean God for you. It means God with you. Being intentional means we have to see the ending before the beginning. We have to see the ending before the beginning. You guys ever notice when God gives you a dream or you have a vision? You guys ever notice it's, it's, it's in its finished work? You know, you, you sit down and there's, there's, there's people in here right now that says, man, I see myself preaching to thousands of people. There's people in here that say, man, I, I, I see myself going to hospitals and laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. There, there's people in here that are, are, are here and they're saying, I see myself speaking prophetically to people in the street and, 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 and doing many different things for God. You see it. You see it in its finished work. But what we don't see is how to get there. You know why God doesn't show us the plans to get there? Because we'll never want what God has for us. He doesn't show you the suffering and the toil and the labor that it takes to get to the dream that he has for you. Amen. See, there was a guy in the Bible named Joseph. God gave him a dream. And if you look at it, it's in Genesis chapter 37. Verse 5 and 7, it says, now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Can I stop there for a second? You guys, listen very carefully. Why are you sharing your dreams with your haters? You can't be sharing your dreams with your haters. And I'm really speaking to this Facebook generation. The Bible said, listen, listen, how does he know? It says they hate him even more. He knew they hated him. Why are you running to people? Why? You know what it is? It's fleshly. You're trying to make them more jealous. Yeah, you can hate me. Let me give you some more stuff to hate me about. The Bible says don't cast your pearl before swine because they will take it, they'll trample on it, and they'll turn and rend you, which means they'll come after you afterwards, which happened to Joseph. Six. So he said then, please, hear this dream which I have dreamed. (laughs) It sounds so much like a Facebook post. (laughs) The Lord was speaking to me the other day concerning. Yeah, okay. So this is what Joseph said to his brothers, and he tried to get deep. There were, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. And then behold, my sheaf, not y'all's, mine, arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood up all around, and they bowed down to my sheaf. You know, as I read this, I begin to see something that he didn't say it was him that stood up. He said it was the sheaves would represent his work. The sheaves represent his finished work. He's basically saying, whatever your work you're going to do, whatever God has planned for you in your life is going to be less than what God has for me. So your work is going to be okay, but, you know, because we're all in the field. We're all out here gathering God. This, oh, this should be for preachers or something right now because all of us are looking and we're all doing, we're out here in the harvest, catching the harvest and bringing it in. But one pastor wants to say, yeah, you're, but at the end, your work is going to bow to my work because my work's going to be greater. 
Well, as y'all know, what happened to Joseph? If you don't know, go read it today, but I'll just tell you, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. They, they got mad at his brother, threw him in a, in a pit, sold him into slavery, told dad that he was dead, and he goes into slavery, ends up in prison, forgot about, actually lied on, thrown in prison, forgot about. But watch this. And then all of a sudden, at the end, the vision that God had given him came to pass because God set up a moment after he prepared him for greatness through the tribulation and through the work, he prepared him. He helped him fortify his character. He helped him keep his integrity so that he would be able to have that right character and integrity when he moved to a place, a position of prominence. See, God moved him to this position of prominence, but if he was like some of our elected officials right now that are lied and they've done things in the closet, because, uh, see, you need to understand that Joseph himself was in a position with the guy he worked for, Potiphar's wife. This woman was basically, like, I heard she was hot. She was good looking. She was fine. She was bad. There was nobody else around, and Joseph was young, and he's, he's full of testosterone, but she turned and looked at him, and Joseph said, no, I'm going to keep my integrity. She said, look, let's, let's get the man in the house ain't home it's me and you and he was like no and he ran how many y'all are running I wouldn't blame you if I seen you running down the street one day he's running I'm like, what is he running from well praise God I'm doing the running man oh, yeah. okay anyway so listen Joseph knew to get to this place of prominence that he had to work on his integrity and his character. He knew that just in his mind, he knew that in his heart, that if God had something for him, no matter what he was going to go through, he was going to keep his integrity and keep his character. See, Joseph was intentional about it. When he was thrown in the pit, he didn't complain. When he was sold into slavery, he served his masters well. When he was in a compromising position with Potiphar's wife, he kept his integrity and ran. When he was in jail, they said that he was like the head person in jail. But now we go on. He was forgot about. He served and did favors for people in jail. And they said, look, he helped them get free. And he says, listen, don't forget about me. But they forgot about him. But God set up that moment for him to meet with Pharaoh. And when he told Pharaoh about his dream, he was second unto Pharaoh in all of the land. And because there was a drought in the land and there was no food, guess who had to come to Egypt and ask for food? His brothers. And because he was in a place of prominence, his vision, the vision, the dream came true. They all ended up having to submit to his authority. But because Joseph had character and integrity, because he was intentional about keeping his integrity and fortifying his character, when his brothers came, he didn't sit down and put his foot on them and go, yeah, you take this for selling me into slavery like some of y'all would do. He said, you showed me hate, but in turn, I'm going to show you love. Because he fortified his character and kept his integrity, but he was intentional about it. Listen, saints, likewise, 
if we're not intentional about the process of completing the the God-given vision or dreams for our lives, they will never come true and we will be left hopeless. Can you imagine if he didn't focus, if, if he didn't focus on keeping his integrity and fortifying his character, that even if he slept with Potiphar's wife, he never would have got to the top because they would have killed him. While he was thrown in jail, he could have complained and never did any work, and he would have never been able to meet the two gentlemen that he met that he prophesied to, and he never would have met Pharaoh to prophesy to him and give him instructions because he didn't keep his integrity, because he wasn't intentional. If he would have done that, he would have sat and rotted in jail and blamed God for it when it wasn't God's fault. God said, listen, I've given you a vision. I've ordered your steps. It's you that refused to walk through the steps with integrity and character, and it's your fault that you didn't fulfill the vision. You have to be intentional about walking out the steps that God has ordered for your life. But when we don't do that, we're left hopeless. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred, make it the heart sick. That's why you see so many people in life. They don't want to follow God's plan. They want to do their own thing. And guess what ends up happening? They turn their back on God. Man, I don't believe in that stuff. No hope. Makes your heart sick. Now listen, during this time of fasting, we all here need to be asking God, is the vision of our own personal lives lining up for what he has for us? That's why we're fasting, because everybody in here is fasting. Listen, one thing the Bible reveals about the character of God is this. He's done everything, and he's, everything that he's ever done, he did intentionally, and he did it on purpose. Creation was not a cosmic accident, okay? He didn't go, I want to create something. Oh, hey, whoa, there it is. No, he was intentional about it. How do I know this? Watch this. Watch how intentional God is. Follow follow me with this. God knew the ending from the beginning. The same way he gives us dreams is the same way he sees things. He saw the end before he, he even started the beginning. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me in Revelations 13 and 8 that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth. So if the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth, before God said, let there be light, before God separated the waters from the waters, before God created the firmament, before he created the dry land to come up out of the water, before he made man from the dust of the ground, he knew that man would need a way back into relationship with him. He knew that we were going to mess up, but he already had a plan, a purpose. Intentionally, he set forth a plan and a purpose for us to be back in relationship and covenant with him because he saw the ending before the beginning. If Christ was intentional about his purpose on this earth, then we that are Christ-like or Christians should be intentional too. We should be intentional about following God and we should be intentional about the purpose and plan that he has placed in our lives. We also need to be intentional about the church that we belong to in the vision of the church. Because our personal visions will line up with the vision of the church when you belong to the church. In my closing, we all have a problem. I said we all, all of us have a problem when it comes to being intentional. Being intentional requires foresight. It requires for us to anticipate, and it requires a certain level of discernment. 
And the problem is, if we don't have these three things, it's hard for us to make plans. You got to be able to see down the road. Part of our problem is, is like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know what that is? That's actually a prophetic picture of you telling you know there's going to be a gap somewhere. Because you don't need a bridge unless there's a gap. So you know there's going to be a problem. But if you know there's going to be a problem, being intentional means I know there's going to be a problem. I'm going to solve the problem before I even get there. So when I get to that problem, I'm just going to roll right over it. A running back doesn't run the ball thinking he's not going to get hit. He's intentional about how he runs. He thinks out his steps before he takes them. He does them in a split second. And those that can do it fast and do it quick are the best running backs. If we can get ourselves in the habit of seeing things down the road, then we'll be able to plan for those things that won't, so there won't be any blind sides. I expected it, I prepared for it, and I have the answer for it. Watch this. The reason why a lot of us can't have foresight, discernment, and anticipate what's coming up next is because we don't have the gift of prophecy. We don't have the gift to be prophetic. And I'm going to tell you why we don't have the gift to be prophetic. Because we don't have the spirit of God in our lives. I'm not getting down and talking about the whole being baptized. I'm not getting into that right now. I'm talking about the gift that comes with having the spirit of God in our lives. Now, I'm not just saying this. It's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says that part of those gifts is the gift to prophesy. John chapter 16 verse 13. It says the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. What is that telling me? He's going to let me know what's down the road. I don't have to look at the horoscope. I don't have to go to the palm reader or the soothsayer. I have the spirit of God in me that will tell me the truth and things to come. We'll learn more about being prophetic and being intentional next week. But listen, God has given this church a vision. In the same way he gave this church a vision, he's given you all a vision. He's given you a dream. And I'm here to tell you today what God has spoken over your life. He hasn't taken it back. Whatever God's vision is for your life, it still is today. No matter how much you messed up, no matter how long you procrastinated, no matter how many times you got it wrong, no matter how many times you backslid, no matter how old you are, God has a plan and purpose for your life. God ain't going to repent of his plan for you. God gave it to you. And because he gave it to you, it's yours. He's spoken over you. And if God watches after his word to perform it, he's still watching after his word. He's just waiting to help you. Don't just sit there and keep asking God to do it. Ask him to help. And then you start walking. That's why the Bible says work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. 
which means be humble about it. God's purpose for your life. How do I know that? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He says, I know the plans I have for you, which means he made plans. And if he made a plan, he ain't taking it back. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Why are Christians walking around so hopeless when God has given us a plan and at the end of that plan, there's hope? There's hope while you're walking through the plan. Why? Because God said, this is where I'm going. And if God said it, that's where I'm going to end up. Because I'm walking in the steps. For the Bible says that the footsteps of a righteous man or woman has been ordered by the Lord. And if he's ordered them, that means he's planned them. That means they've been preordained and that they're there. I just got to learn how to walk in agreement with Jesus and the plan and the purpose that he has for me in my life. And if I'm walking in those steps, and now those are each one of those steps have been intent intentionally placed. God didn't just throw steps out there. He intentionally placed those steps for us to follow. Now watch this. Then he gave us grace. For when we walk out of those steps. Grace is not something for you to frustrate. Grace is to help you stay in the steps that God has ordered for you. And sometimes winds of disagreement, contrary winds may blow. Sometimes you may see the waves. Sometimes you may doubt and get blown off that course. But it's grace that comes back and brings you right back up. See, grace is for the transition from death to life. In the footsteps that God's order is life and life more abundantly. But everything else is from what the devil has to kill, steal, and destroy. We have to be intentional about what God has planned for us. What is that dream God has given you? What is that plan that God has given you? It's not just going to happen on its own. We got to sit down and say, God, what are the steps? Reveal to me the steps. And listen, I'm not going to be conceited. I'm not going to be full of myself and need to know each and every step. Just show me one step at a time. For I walk by faith and not by sight. Well, walking means you're walking in those steps that he's ordered for you. But you don't need to know where the steps are. You just need to know I'm in those steps intentional the first intentional plan God made for man is called salvation and today is your day for you to give God your first fruits the first Sunday of 2018 will you be intentional about your salvation Will you be intentional about living for God? Because you can't be intentional about God's vision until you're intentional about God being first in your life. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.